Hello again, listeners. Welcome back to Forgotten Events. I am your host, Katie. Our story today is about a teenager that went missing from La Crosse County, Wisconsin, 67 years ago. Although over 2,000 people were investigated, there have been no clues as to the whereabouts of the teenager. This is the story of Evelyn Hartley. On October 24, 1953, 16-year-old Evelyn Hartley was hired by Vigo Rasmussen, a professor at La Crosse State College. We now know that to be the University of Wisconsin at La Crosse, to take care of his 20-month-old daughter. Vigo Rasmussen and Evelyn's father, Richard, were both professors at the university. Rasmussen's regular babysitter had planned to attend her homecoming game and would not be available. That evening, Evelyn's father called the Rasmussen house several times after Evelyn failed to check in at 8.30 as she promised. No one answered the phone. Worried something may have happened, he drove to the Rasmussen house. When her father arrived, all the doors were locked, the lights and a radio were on, and the house looked disheveled. Items were scattered everywhere. The Rasmussen's living room furniture appeared to be moved around and not in the normal spots. Evelyn had taken schoolwork with her, and her books were all over the place. Her father found her shoes in different rooms of the house, one upstairs and one downstairs. Her eyeglasses were found broken. Evelyn was nowhere in the house, and the child Evelyn had been caring for was found asleep and unharmed. Although every room in the house was locked, her father found the basement unlocked. An open window in the basement was missing a screen. It was found leaning against an outside wall. He also found a short stepladder belonging to the homeowner next to the opened window. Pry marks were found on some windows, and footprints had been found in areas of the house. Blood would be discovered both inside the house and in the yard, with bloody handprints about 100 feet away in a garbage can at a nearby house. Because of all the evidence, police believed someone took Evelyn through the yard but dropped her on the ground at some point. Dogs picked up Evelyn's scent about two blocks away from the Rasmussen house. Police believed Evelyn was driven away from the scene. One neighbor reported they had seen a car driving around the neighborhood, and another who lived nearby claimed they had heard screams about an hour earlier. Two days after the incident, Ed Hoffer, a local resident, told police that while driving his vehicle, he was almost struck by a Buick as it was speeding in a westerly direction. Inside the Buick, Hoffer remembered seeing a man driving while a second man was in the back seat with a girl. Several days after her disappearance, a pair of underpants and a bra were found near the underpass on Highway 14, two miles south of La Crosse. They were stained with blood. 
a blood-stained pair of men's pants was found four miles away, but it is unknown if the pants are connected to the case. The blood found was a match to Evelyn's blood type. A pair of size 11 blood-stained Goodrich sneakers was found in the Coon Valley area southeast of La Crosse. They were apparently dumped there only a short time before they were discovered. The soles had a suction cup pattern very similar to the footprints found near where Evelyn was last seen, and the blood type was her type. Investigators believed they were worn by her abductor. In October of 1953, law enforcement officers and the National Guard, the Boy Scouts, and La Crosse State College students and faculty, and about a 1,000 people participated in a search. The Civil Air Patrol and U.S. Air Force were also used in the search. Even gas station attendants were asked to check cars for blood stains as they serviced the vehicles. Authorities reopened recent grave sites to determine if Evelyn's remains were placed in a burial. In May 1954, authorities planned to do lie detector tests on more than 1,700 lacrosse area high school boys to find more information about Evelyn's disappearance. They were only successful in completing about 300 because there was a protest against this type of activity. Edward Gein, arrested for murder at the time, was considered a suspect in Evelyn's disappearance as he was visiting a relative a few blocks away from the Rasmussen house at the time. Gein denied involvement and passed two lie detector tests. Police found no trace of Evelyn's remains during a search of his property. In November 1957, authorities announced that Gein had been cleared of any connection with the disappearance of Evelyn. Despite this, some still consider Gein a suspect. Gein would be declared insane and die in 1984 in a mental institution. Evelyn's kidnapping led to one of the biggest searches in the history of Wisconsin. A reward fund established in the immediate aftermath reached $6,600, equivalent to about $63,000 today. Sometime in the 1970s, her parents would move to Portland, Oregon. Both of her parents are now deceased. In 2004, Mel Williams reported to police that he had recorded a conversation years earlier at a bar. Mel was there to record a band that was performing, but he ended up recording two men unintentionally. On the tape, one of the men, Clyde Peterson, implicated himself, and a man named Jack Golfair and an unnamed third party in the disappearance, claiming that Evelyn was murdered and buried in Lafarge, Wisconsin. Jack Golfair and the unnamed party are now deceased. 
there would be no further developments with that information. Here's what we know for certain. At 6.20 that evening, Evelyn was picked up from her home by Professor Rasmussen. At 6.30, they arrived at the Rasmussen home. Evelyn was given instructions on what time to feed the baby and when to put her to bed. She was told to feed her at 7 and put her to bed about 7.15. Professor Rasmussen, his wife, and their other daughter leave to go to the homecoming game. It is believed by the police that Evelyn was kidnapped between 7 p.m. and 7.30 p.m. At 7, a neighborhood couple hear several piercing screams but believe it to be kids playing. At 7.15, a man who lived down the street saw three people walking down the road, two men with a girl between them. A few minutes later, while heading to the game, he sees them again, this time in a car. At 8 p.m., neighbors notice that an unfamiliar light-colored car had been circling the neighborhood but was no longer seen. At 8.30, Evelyn was supposed to contact her parents but did not. At 9.20, Evelyn's father arrives at the Rasmussen home. At 9.30, she is nowhere to be found. At 9.49, police were called. Although it has been 67 years, the town still holds out hope that this case will someday be solved.